Greetings and welcome to a long-awaited Union Street Hoops episode. Technology issues notwithstanding, we're back. It's been a dull off-season. Nothing has happened. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Oren, NWI Oren on Twitter, and glad to have Todd Eichow here, the voice of the Crusaders. Todd, we're back. Uh, it's been a long time since we've talked. I think the beginning of the season was the was the last time I had you on Union Street Hoops, and back then, life was a little bit rosier. We talked about there were a lot of high expectations going into the season, and uh, Valpo didn't fulfill those. Why should anyone listen to anything we have to say today? <laughs> yeah, things have really stunk, to be honest with you. <laughs> kind of like the weather here in northwest Indiana. Gotta you're, love it. You're, you're correct. They did not fill the expectations. Um, you know, I'm always looking uh, as the glass being half full, and I remember... You know, Valpo 3-0 and when Ryan Fazekas was there in the league and, and eventually went to 5-1, and and things were looking good. But eventually, uh, you know, as happens with many teams, and I'm not making excuses, um, when something goes bad, it snowballs. And we've seen this not only from Valpo teams, but from just about everybody. Um, you know, it was a team that did not have this big margin for error. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I'm not going to point fingers, but there were guys who were better three-point shooters in the past that weren't this year. And when Fazekas went down and other guys couldn't make shots, it was uh, it was really rough. And Valpo went through some horrible offensive stretches in many, many games. Um, I thought they never quit fighting, but it was, I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. It was a, an awful last six weeks of the season. And... It's unfortunate because the talent was there to finish better than they did. Um, and we're just kind of left with this sour taste in our mouth when the season ends. And then after that, um, you know, there were guys that we thought were going to leave. Derek Smith's, I think most people close to the program knew, uh, had graduated and wanted to go to a bigger school. And there were definitely going to be offers and he was going to leave. Bakari Evelyn had a very disappointing season. He didn't start. Uh, for you know the the majority of conference play, um, certainly got playing time, enough playing time, but didn't play well up to his ability. Yeah, I mean if you know if this guy was a a guy who we knew would be the ninth or tenth guy coming in that um, put up those numbers, you'd say okay, he did maybe even more than expected, but it, he did not have a good season. He did not start. He was graduating, and I think everybody knew he was gone. Yeah, obviously the one that really hurt bad and still hurts is Javon Freeman, who was given started every game, only player this year to start every game. And was given every opportunity to improve his game. And I thought everything was done right for him. And um, I'm not going to get into the reasons why, but I I honestly don't think Javon really wanted to leave, but he left. Um, And that, that one stung because obviously he was a cornerstone for the future. Um, and the other guys who have left uh, are, you know, they're guys who are replaceable. His team struggled, and some guys left, and it's it's kind of time to move on. And I think I, I tip my cap to the coaching staff who have gone out. I, I think Todd Townsend went to Europe and found some players who will have an impact on this program. It's clear that Donovan Clay is going to be an excellent player. Um, at least it would appear that he would be, and you never know what's going to happen. But all reports are he was a first-team All-Stater by the I think by the Associated Press in Illinois, and, and that speaks volumes. 
Um, and he really came on and, and by all reports became uh, an elite high school basketball player by the end of the year. He's going to be a player for sure. Um, and they got a transfer this past week who, by all indications, will come in and have an impact. And, and of course, the guys who sat out last year um, they should clear, be, clearly they should will be, really be very good. good Valley players. Um, so there's no reason to think Valpo can't retool to the point where they can be a very competitive team next year and hopefully finish better than they did this past year. Well, let's look at this offseason. Have you ever seen an offseason like I've this? I've never seen anything like this anywhere, really. I think uh, uh, our old friend Rex Walters had a season at San Francisco where they lost like five or six guys, if I remember correctly. Um this was a weird situation, maybe a little different, because it wasn't like everybody complaining about the coach did this, the coach did that. It was like each situation was unique. And, you know, each situation, each player left for a completely different reason yeah. than, than, than the other guy. Um, and at last check, uh, you know, Jay Soroy hasn't found a home, and, and I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, there were rumors that he would end up, going and, and going home to Spain and, and be close to his family and play professionally there. There were rumors that he would go somewhere else and try to play after graduating. And, and nothing's really happened there. Nothing yeah. concrete certainly has happened there yet. So maybe we keep our fingers crossed because if Jay Soroya comes back, uh, quite frankly, that would be a big boost for this team. He's, he, there, that's, there's a missing spot on this team. You have clearly guys who are ready to come in and play minutes at the point. You have guys who are wing players who look very, very good. You've got those stretch fours that you know Bryce Drew and Matt Loddick have had that look like will be very good players for you in this upcoming season. Heck, Ryan Fizik is the team's leading scorer a year ago. Um, and at healthy, he's going to pick big minutes there. The big hole, obviously, is in the middle right now. We'll get to the newcomers in a second, but I think this is interesting. So Derek Smith has taken visits to NC State, Arizona State, and uh, apparently Butler, and he has set tomorrow, April 28th, as a date that he's going to make his decision. If I was a betting guy, I'd probably say Butler, closer to where he's from, but it, it sounds like, uh, you know, I just read an article, Arizona State Rivals, ASUDevils.com did a story basically saying that uh, Rick Smith has got a home in Arizona, a home in Indy, and if he goes to NC State, he'll go get a home there, too. So it's That's pretty uh, good. Yeah, he's, he's doing well. Um, with the exception of Smiths, who looks like he's going to make his decision within the next 24 to 48 hours, all of these other guys who said they're going to transfer, like none of them have found a home yet. Is, is that just the process <laughs> playing out, or is that, I mean, with these guys couldn't wait to leave? What, well, I mean, is that... Is that... <clears throat> um... The one thing that I've noticed is there are a lot of guys who have announced they're transferring who haven't found a home, and I think... Not just Valpo, we're saying. Right, and I, I think part of that is there are so many transfers now that there's this longer process. Um, it was not unusual, maybe four or five years ago, when the numbers were not quite what they were, um, and there weren't so many transfers and people bouncing back and forth that... that Guys found a place easier, maybe because there were less for coaches to select from and left less weeding out process. And a coach wanted a guy and went after him, and they got him maybe rather quickly. Um, and, and the other thing is, um, you know, Valpo struggled this past year. <clears throat> 
So now obviously Derek put up big numbers. He's seven feet. He's going to find a home. Yeah. The other guys, you know, struggled. It's not as easy to find a home when you struggled. Um, and then there's the, the, you know, the issue with Javon Freeman, I think, where there's so many teams that are trying to yeah. get, to get yeah. him that uh, there's kind of a long weeding out process. Um, Here's an interesting question I have for you. Let's look at Marcus Golder's situation for a second. And I want to, I want to, give you this question because it's one that's been kind of been posed to me a little bit. Golder, you know, so Smith said that he's leaving and he's got a list of schools. He's gone. Okay. The next day, Bakari and Javon back to back within the span of like 90 minutes, both announced that they're gone. Two days later, <coughs> it comes out that Golder is considering a graduate transfer. That okay. was the wording. He'd, uh, he'd reached out to me. Um, he said, considering a grad transfer, no further comment at this time. Okay. And so, well, that was nice. So we, we mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it's always nice when they, you know, when they they let you know. Actually, Bakari, this is a funny story. I, somebody else uh, beat me on the Smiths thing. Someone else beat me on the Freeman thing. This news got out there quick. It was like national guys breaking the news there. And Bakari, who has studied sports journalism, uh, sent me a direct message. Said, "Hey, I saw you got beat on the last couple ones. Here's." I'm going to also transfer. Here's a, a tip for you. And I thought that That's was pretty really, good. That was really nice of him. Yes, to, uh, was to, to, he, he gets it. To, yeah, he gets it. So so then Marcus puts this out there, and there's it, it seems there's been a contingent of Valpo fans, people around the program, who are like, well, he didn't actually say he was leaving. Yeah. Maybe he's going to come back. Um, I've been in a lot of toxic relationships in my life. I've got yeah. good experience with this. And you wonder, you know, she didn't tell me she was dumping me, but yeah. she's might be at the bar looking for another guy right now. Like, how if you're if you're a guy on the team, and maybe the guys just all get it. Yeah. But like, how do you embrace a player coming back who has basically stated, "I want to leave"? Right. I mean, and and you could look at Golder, you could look at Soroya. Yeah, I you're right. You're yeah. right. That's 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 a valid point. Um, and I don't have an answer to yeah, that. I don't, and I don't know, you know, you think there's a chance Marcus Golders coming back? Is that is No, that, I, I, I think there are people who have, have, said, have said, you know. He didn't definitively say he was leaving, so he might come back. Yeah. So, okay. That, but, like, it's one of those It's one of those interesting things. So I, I'm wondering how often does somebody, like, put their name in the transfer portal and then suddenly end up looking at all the options and saying, maybe my best option is to stay. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it happened somewhere last year. I assume it did. Um, and again, you know, Jay Soroya uh, is sort of a different situation because I think people felt that, you know, maybe it'd end up going to Spain. Yeah. And it doesn't, from what I hear, it doesn't look like that's happening. He's, I don't know what's going to happen there. And Jay seemed pretty happy and content at Valpo. I, I I don't know what's going to happen there. And I would imagine. And, that, and that's kind of a, a different situation. It just has a different feel, let's yeah. say, than Marcus. Yeah, no, Who I appears agree. really as set on, on, on moving on. And, um, you know, Marcus, he's been an exciting player for two years. But, I mean, let's, again, another thing you don't want to sugarcoat, he did not have a good season. He shot 29% from the three-point line and, uh, and did, yeah, it was not uh, – I mean, compared to how he, assists, yeah. compared to how he played a year ago. I mean, the previous year, his first year at Valpo, um, just did not play as well. And the bottom line is that hurt the team's success. Um, 
So it's it's interesting. It's it, what I'm saying is the cleansing of guys who did not play well and have wanted to move on overall is going to be good for the program in the long run. If okay. they don't want to be here and they struggle to begin with and they, you know, were part of the unfortunate last six weeks of the season because they didn't play well for the most part. Obviously, Marcus played well in that tournament game against Indiana State. Oof, yeah. Then, okay, move on yeah. and let's go and let's turn the page. And the quicker you turn the page, the better off you yeah. are. Obviously, I mentioned Jace Roy because you still have an obvious hole in the middle at that five spot, and Jay would be a fourth-year player who has had at least a solid career. Again, he's never been great offensively, but he's always been really good defensively, and you would love to have him back. Let's, uh, b- before we look at the newcomers in a second, let's, uh, let's look at Lodic. Uh Man, the guy was getting it from every corner, right? You know, um, <laughs> you know, people frustrated about the coaching aspect maybe during the season as the team kind of spiraled out those last six weeks. And then Smith's leaves, which, again, as we stated earlier, was always going to happen. Listen, I knew, I never said it on the air, but I, I was 99.9% sure that when we came to February, Derek wasn't in the starting lineup. Uh, he had graduated. Um, and he didn't there play were, the there last were, 20 minutes of the game against Loyola. Well, there was, you know, he, well, he, he played for about 90 seconds yeah, in that true. last 20 that's minutes, true. and that set the tone for why he didn't play in the last <laughs> 17 minutes of the game. Um, but Derek was gone. He was yeah. gone. He was he was not coming back. No matter, I think almost no matter what happened, maybe Valpo, I, and no matter what happened, Derek was not coming back next season, period. Yeah. There was nothing anybody could have done for Derek to come back next year, period. I appreciate this. You're all fired up right now. Well, I that's appreciate. the truth. I mean, there was nothing. There was nothing Matt could have done. Um, it, Derek wasn't coming back. He was. Yeah. He was ready to move on. He had made statements to other people in the past about graduating and moving on, and he'd graduated. He'd graduated, I think, uh, in in December. Yeah. Um, and he was. He was had the option to move and play somewhere for a final year without having to sit out, and that. That was what was going to happen. I think if Bakari had a big season this year, everything went his way, there's a good chance he would have stayed. But things just didn't go well his this year, and it was time for him to move on. So with each one of these guys that was transferring, the the vigor of the anti-Lotic yeah. truthers yeah. Uh, rose and rose listen, and rose. Listen, here's the bottom line. This is the absolute bottom line. Replacing a Drew was going to be very, 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 very difficult. Yeah. Um, Everything really has to go Matt's way. Who has had a difficult last 18 months? Maybe two years. Really Really? difficult last. The whole three years. I mean, the Jabril thing, the Burton thing. Well, I mean, from a fan standpoint, I I think everybody understands that losing Jabril... Matt did a very good job of keeping it together. Yeah. And going through that time and winning games. Yeah. But when they lost Alec Peters, uh, what, how much can you take? He, really, when he took the job, he thought he'd have Keith Carter back for one more year. The NCA really did Valpo no favor in that situation. Yeah. Um, there was never a, a thought that he would be playing the season without Jabril Atacoya, who 
know, we look back, was kind of an underrated player. Very, I very mean, underrated. He, the, his numbers were extremely good. Would have been was, one of the best players on this season's team. Yeah, um, for sure. Excellent defensive player. Turned into an outstanding three-point shooter. Very, very um, multifaceted player. Who, I mean, he was an excellent basketball player. Kind of overlooked. He was one of those glue guys that yeah. every team needs. And also could make shots. Um, so you lose him for the season. You held it together. Obviously, Alec Peters was one of the reasons why. But remember, they they lost Alec, and they won that game at Wright State. Yeah, and, and then uh, and then yeah. Shane was hurt. And, and then know. Shane was a non-factor in the in the conference tournament and in, and in the NIT game. And what were you going to do? He had a Matt himself, as difficult as things were, had a very good first season. The last two years have been rough. And obviously there's been things that he couldn't control. Uh, maybe re- recruiting Joe Burton, who was a, a very... High-risk, high-reward. You know, was, was a student going in who uh, academically was a risk. Maybe that was a mistake. But yeah. I, I know Matt's thought was, here's a potential all-conference player and certainly showed signs of it. When he was in uniform for a month, and then and then left, and, and because okay, because of the academics, and that t- in a large way derailed the season. They couldn't make shots down the stretch, and we don't need to go in, into everything. Yeah, yeah, but they yeah, lost yeah. a lot of close games because they didn't have that shot maker which they needed. Uh, and then this past year, the injuries, the snowball effect, guys not playing well. It has been rough. Um, People ask me all the time. I get people they stop me at Walmart. They want to know what's going on, and and uh, you know, people that I don't hear from a lot have texted me and you know what's going on. And I, the what's going on texts have have, have yeah. piled up. Yeah. Um, I think on a positive note, Matt has brought in really good players. Um, and we'll, we'll get to those in a second. I want to just Bryce Drew gets fired. Take take me into the mind of like what is a Matt Lodick thinking when Bryce Drew gets fired and all of these people are like oh well at least we can bring him back now and I, we can I, and I, I mean he's a prideful guy I got to imagine that's yeah, a rough day I I think Matt is really strong inside and I think Matt's confident in what he's doing um, and I think he likes the players he's brought in and I think he knows he will be the coach at Valpo next season. And I think in his mind he feels like we're going to do the job and I'm going to keep this job and we're going to turn things around and get the ship righted and we're going to win some games and, and be successful and we will build this program back up. Uh, if it doesn't happen, Matt will survive. I don't know if surviving at Falpo, but he will survive yeah. and, and there will be you know, endless possibilities for him to get another job. He is very well connected, very well respected. But right now, Matt's focus is winning next season, and I think at least over the past few weeks, he's done a good job bringing in players that can help him win in the future and turn the program back around. Much like I think it's odd with a guy like Marcus who would say, "I'm going to transfer," and then or or you know, like, and then people are like, "Well, maybe he'll come back." This whole idea, and I, I've been r- railing on this since the middle of the season when people kept saying. Well, maybe Bryce is going to get let go, and then Bryce will just come back to Valpo. Like, I don't understand how that would work. You know, like, well, it just Matt, doesn't... Let's start with this. 
first things first, Matt Loddick's the coach. He's under contract. Yeah, exactly. He will be the coach next year. Yes. So that's done. Yes. You know, I've been in contact with Bryce. You've been in contact with Bryce. It doesn't sound like he's going to coach next year anywhere. No, no. He's going to uh, be on Twitter now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's and, and I think Bryce is, is going to do some TV from I'd imagine. my contact. Yeah. Um at least that was the indications I've got actually from him. I don't know if that's breaking news or anything, but yeah, I mean, the, con- the contact yeah. that I've had from him is um, you know, he's working on some media possibilities. He's actually doing, quote, unquote, some training and trying to work to get, be- you know, Bryce is sort of a perfectionist. and like, like he would, you know, like after, like, Games in high school, when he would score 32 points, he would stay and shoot. Uh, that's he, He's going to work on some media training. Uh, it's because he wants to be, you know, get better and be, you know, if he's going to work in the media, he's going to do that. You know, uh, it's been uh, well documented that uh, he's spoken to Jim Boylan and gone to practice. And Boylan's on record saying, here's a guy who's going to bounce back and is a really sharp guy. And, and I don't put it out of the realm of possibility that somewhere, maybe not next year, but maybe in two years, that he could be an NBA assistant. People kind of think, well, Bryce is a college guy. And I'm like, well, he he played in the NBA for six years. He's very well respected. He's very well connected. It wouldn't shock me. That wouldn't be – if somebody put a gun to my head and said, what will Bryce Drew be doing in two years, Um, I wouldn't say NBA assistant. But if that happens, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. you know, again, when, when Homer, when he stepped away from coaching, what was the first thing he did? Went to go into TV for a little bit. So, yeah. um, and, uh, so anyway, I just, to me, I, I just remember that day. I was up in Milwaukee with my family, and I woke up. It was the first Friday of the NCAA tournament, and I wake up to the, uh, like, messages that Bryce had gotten let go. And pretty shortly thereafter, all the messages started coming in with, Thank God, now Valpo can get Bryce back. Yeah. I had one guy, actually, and I think I texted you this, and your response was just, come on. Uh, there was one guy who sent me a flight tracker of a plane that was going from Porter County Airport to Nashville, and yeah. the guy was a pilot, and he started telling me what kind of plane it was and that this would be the perfect plane for a guy like Mark LaBarbera to be on to fly down to Tennessee. Okay, to yeah. And I just remember, it's like... Man, like I, I there's not a big enough bottle of scotch if I'm Matt Loddick that I wouldn't have poured myself that day just to like, you know, man, what, that's a tough one. But and and I will say this, a lot of people have been like, well, where's Matt been in all of this? He hasn't talked to the media much or anything like that. He, the guy was out recruiting, right? I mean, he's like, been on the road can, a lot. We can, um, we can get into some of these newcomers here. I he's mean, been on, he's been on the road a lot, and he's been working his tail off to kind of keep the team together the teams been, the guys have been working out and um i think the guys who have stayed have had the attitude of all right they don't want to be here we want to be here don't worry about them not like to we got your back coach but we got this in general um i'm so kind of leery on saying, hey, don't worry, things are going to work out, because <laughs> things have been rough the last two years, and it's un, kind of unvalpolite, and, and, and in many ways, Matt has been unlucky. That is the truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've kind of documented uh, he's been unlucky in many ways, but they've got to get better, and they've got to win more games, and eventually the coach is the ultimate you know, he he is the guy that's got to be held up and be accountable for what's going on. And Matt knows that. 
and he is doing everything in his power to get this team ready for next season. So we've talked about Donovan Clay a little bit. Then they go overseas, and they go up to Canada, and they bring in three other guys. Uh, and we'll get to Zion Morgan in a little bit. The first one, the, the point guard from Norway, Sigurd Lorang. Is that how we're, is that what we're going with? The coaches call him Siggy. So, Siggy. So maybe we go with that. For... Siggy, okay. Very good. Um, this guy here, uh, we, we both watched tape on him. We uh, we threw out the name Clayton Custer a little bit. Um, I, I thought he reminded me of a guy that used to play at Milwaukee. Um, the guy can move on the court. There's no question. He can score. He can move the ball. Uh, you know, I don't really know who he's playing against over there, but um, Lodick said he's a high-level shot maker and distributor. Later on, talks to him as being a gym rat. And, uh, you know, it's... Here's the one thing I'll say. Uh, and, you know... A lot of times we watch highlight film, and I'm going to say two things. Okay, we okay. watch we watch highlight films, and every, well, it's a highlight film. What do you expect? He's going to be seen making shots. I would say the numbers are good. Um, he was playing in a professional league in Norway. She goes, "What's Norway? Who's, <laughs> right. who's, who's basketball who's, from who's Norway?" Who's playing over in Norway? But it's a professional league, and and a lot of the guys in that league are guys who were successful college basketball players, Division One players in the States. So he's playing against older guys, so that's impressive. Um, and the other thing is he's playing against guys who are making money. He's not. He's playing as an amateur in the professional league, and it's not that uncommon in Europe. Valpo's had other guys who've actually played in professional leagues and have kept their amateur status because they don't get paid. So here's a guy who's he's going to high school, and then after, and Norway's not all that big, I guess, after high school, he's getting on a bus, and he's going to play in a professional basketball game against guys who played professionally overseas in the States. And I think the story on how Valpo found out about this kid is there was somebody who played for Valpo assistant coach Todd Townsend at Northern Illinois, who was playing professionally in Norway and messaged him and said, hey, there's a high schooler here who is clearly a quality Division I point guard, and you ought to come over and check him out. And that's what happened. So, you know, your contacts are important, um, who you keep in touch with. And a lot of these guys, like Todd Townsend and Matt Lodick, who played a long time overseas, and have developed relationships and friends who are also playing overseas, and and they, they heard about other guys in similar situations. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how they found out about him. The other thing is, here's a kid who is playing professionally against guys who were solid Division One players for the most part. Well, he Something. played against Tennessee's uh, Robert Hobbs. I, th- I think his, his name was Robert Hobbs. I'm looking at my uh, list. Robert Hobbs, excuse me. He was a uh, Second team All SEC player a couple of years ago. He's Tennessee. in the professional league in and, Norway. And I played, didn't know that. They okay, just they played in the. Uh, they just played each other in the playoffs. And uh, and and Siggy, as okay. we're going to call him. Yeah, well, now. let's call him Siggy because uh, I, I hear that Siggy got the best of him in that game. So uh, so, I, I, and as you watch him play, the thing is, you can see he understands the game, how to get to spots, and that's where we said like Clayton Custer. That was what Custer was so good at was getting to certain spots on the court where he could create his own shot or get shots for his teammate, you know, takes care of the basketball. It actually does remind me in many ways of, you know, of Alpo point guard from when I first started doing games, Rob Cavanaugh. Rob Cavanaugh, the Yeah, doctor. yeah. 
Um, because Rob was very diminutive and still found ways to get off high-quality shots and put his teammates in very good spots and almost never turned the ball over. Siggy, it seems like he has the ability to do some of those similar things. It's not that easy when you're diminutive and not as fast as Daniel Sackey to get in spots where you can make positive plays for yourself and for your teammates, and it looks like he has that ability, and it's some of it's smarts, some of it's uh, ball handling ability, and some of it is just understanding where to be. Six foot ten center from Denmark, Emil Fries Villian. Yeah, I have no idea. We, it could be Emil. It could be. I have no I idea. Think, what I his honestly name think is. it's Emil, but I may okay. be wrong. I okay. think I heard Emil, but that doesn't sound right. <laughs> but now that you said it. It feels like I remember one of the coaches saying Emil, but I may be wrong. I wish I would have checked this before. You know, it's okay. I thought you would know. No, I thought yeah. I would. Uh, no, it's. I mean, I was just looking at these names. I, I've learned how to type this. I can type it with my eyes closed yeah. now. But uh, this guy hasn't been playing basketball for very long. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say that he's Vashiel Fernandez because he's not, but Vashiel Fernandez wasn't playing basketball for very long either yeah, when he got here. about the same size. And he's long for his height, which Vashiel obviously was. Yeah. Right comparing him to Vashiel, but um, but appears like he has the ability to be a very good player, but again, he, who knows? He has, I, you can't teach size, yeah. and so I think he will be probably a, a, you know, a project to he, start He out. looks, you know, from, from, the, from the video, like uh, he's fairly athletic for his size. Um, we have seen um, guys 6'10", 6'11", um, in the past where you watch them and you go, all right, they've got the size, but the athleticism quite isn't there, but maybe the skills are there. looks like uh, at least he is an above-average athlete for somebody of his size. Um, you know, the highlight films show that he's, he, he, he's got some post moves and he's got a nice touch, and let's just wait and see. You know, it is always hard to tell with the bigs yeah. on how good they will be. And a lot of it is how much they develop over the years, and you know, you remember. Um, yeah, now I'm blanking on his name, but the 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 big the big kid that that Valpo had this big Scandinavian player Valpo had who played with Rytus Grafs, Auntie, uh, Auntie Nicola, who I think freshman year you looked like and you said, "Boy, he's going to be maybe an All Conference type player," and he never really got much better. And it happens sometimes with bigs. And Auntie Nicola was a serviceable backup, but I think early on in his freshman year, he said he's going to be an all-conference type player, and he never got better. Other guys get better. Vashiel Fernandez was, quite frankly, an awful basketball player when he arrived yeah. at Valpo. Um, and you knew with the long arms and the athleticism, there was the chance that he would develop into being a good player. And quite frankly, although he was never a great offensive player, he did become a great basketball player. Uh, he was the National Defensive Player of the Year. He worked his tail off. He became efficient enough offensively where he could just go up, get lobs, and dunk the ball or catch it near the hoop and flip it in. Um, so you never know. A lot of it is how well will the bigs develop. And so you're bringing in a big. Will he develop? Will he get better? Only time will tell. And the guy that I'm probably the most excited about is the six foot eight forward from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, Ben Crikey? Crikey, 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 Crikey. For sure it's Crikey. Crikey, Ben Crikey. Um, 
this guy is dropping 30 plus a game you yeah. know and he uh you know watching video of him it uh, he looks like a really good basketball player he can player. really shoot it um he's sort of in the line of these stretch Valpo fours that we've seen over the years I'm not going to compare him to Alec Peters, but he's a I, similar. I, I don't compare he, anyone to Alec Peters anymore. anymore yeah, <laughs> but he is a he has that similar skill set. Now, you know, will he become an All-Conference player? Who knows? But he has the ability to make shots, and he's six eight. Actually, watching the videotape, he reminded me a lot of the way Jason Jenkins played okay. for Valpo yeah. back 20 years ago, um, passing the ball well. If he had an open shot, he would knock it down. He could handle the ball at his size. He wasn't a guy who played a lot with his back to, to the basket. You know, Alec Peters came in didn't play a lot with his back to the basket, but he found a way by senior year, actually by junior year, to play with his back to the basket when necessary when they put a little guy on him. So, again, a lot of it is how will he develop. Clearly he has the ability to make shots. Um, he's in that Valpo stretch four mode. Alec Peters, Ryan Fizikas, Ryan Brokoff, going all the way back to Casey Schmidt, guys who were of that size where you could say um, they could play at different spots on the court. But their biggest strength was the ability to make perimeter shots. And then, so I, I just, to me, I looked at him and I thought, well, he would, maybe his first year, not a big drop-off from Fizikas to this guy in terms of, you know... And then I thought, well, what, what happens if they can play together, those two? Yeah, maybe they will play and, some together. Right? And, and again, one of the biggest knocks on the Valpo this past year was they could get the ball into Smiths and Soroya, but then they were going to get triple team because they would no one to hit shots from yeah. the outside when Fizikas wasn't there. And then Zion Morgan recently just committed. This is a guy that Valpo's got long history with. He verbally committed to Valpo under Bryce Drew. He was a Bryce Drew recruit, yeah. but Matt Loddick was the one who's primarily recruiting him. Uh, he, this is such a, it's such a unique thing, especially everything that's been going on this week. Yeah. Uh, Zion commits to Valpo, and then I think the day that the signing period started in 2015, okay. he decommitted, and that kind of left Valpo scrambling a little bit. And they got Micah Bradford. Like, if Zion Morgan originally comes here, Micah Bradford's never coming here. And so the, Morgan decommits, said at the time, told Scott Burgess of uh, Prep Hoops in Illinois that he felt he rushed the recruiting process. Ends up, he, I think he was going to prep for a year, but then Rob Jeter lands at UNLV, and Morgan had a good relationship with Rob Jeter, goes to UNLV. Marvin Menzies had just taken over as the head coach. At UNLV, it just it wasn't a good style fit. Decides he's going to transfer at the end of that year um, and probably would have had a, a fair amount of suitors at yeah. that point. And then uh, probably about three weeks after he decided he was going to transfer, he's in an open gym with his teammates at UNLV and tears his ACL. Right. Doesn't have a lot of options. Goes to Wabash Valley Juco. Red shirts that first year. Comes back slow to get back into it. But, you know, by the time they got to their... Uh, their national tournament for JUCO, he's averaging like 25 a game. Yeah, and uh, and so what's what's the blessing in disguise there for him is that he's got two years of immediate eligibility, which you just don't see very right. Often. This was kind of similar to Brandon Wood, who went to a JUCO and sat out a year, and then graduated, played only one year of JUCO, and that kept an extra year of eligibility. Yeah, um, Zion Morgan is a it's a great get 
for Valpo. A lot of it was his relationship with Matt Lodick, who recruited him when he was in high school. A lot of it is the fact that Zion is best friends with Nick Robinson, who's who's on yeah. the Valpo basketball team right now. The combination of those two being close to home, I guess, would be the third thing. Um, but his skill set is eerily similar. I'm not saying he's as good a player as Javon Freeman. He's about the same size. I've seen him listed at 6'5". I've seen, I've stood next to him. I don't think he's quite 6'5", um, but I think he may be a, a tiny bit taller than uh, Javon Freeman, who who was a legit 6'3". Um, so he may be 6'4", um, but is a high-level elite defender. I know when he came here uh, in open gym, uh, he was guarding Daniel Sackey and kept Sackey in front of him. He's very long for his height, long legs, long arms, um, extremely athletic, explosive going to the basket. Um, you know, you hated losing Javon Freeman. I'm not saying Zion Morgan is Javon Freeman, but at least he's of the skim- similar skill set. So you pick up some of the things that you lost by Javon leaving. What you do gain is somebody who is this fourth year out of school. You can talk about Valpo's bringing in all these freshmen, but here's somebody who is four years removed. He'll be four years removed from high school. Eric Gordon, Aaron Gordon, four years removed from high school. Um, Nick Robinson. Nick Robinson, four years removed from high school. Ryan Fazek is five years removed from high school. Um, so you'll have some veteran guys, guys who have uh, played at higher levels, um, you need that when you're bringing in so many new players to try to tie everything together. So Valpo, as we sit today with people who have expressed interest in leaving, people who have not expressed interest in leaving, they look like they have one available scholarship. That's assuming Soroya is gone. And for the lack of a better way of saying it, assuming Bradford is back because there's been no word about that one way or the other. Yeah. He's definitely suspended right now. I, I think it's very difficult to bring a guy. I mean, let's let's be honest. It would be shocking if Micah Bradford's in uniform from Valpo next I, year. Yeah. Absolutely shocking. I mean, we're trying to be as open as possible. Yeah. Um, I'm not giving any definitive answer to the Mike, final finality of the Micah Bradford situation, but it's hard to believe with everything that's happened, he would be in uniform from Valpo next year. That's, well, it's a different that's, landscape. That even I mean, looking now, the guys that play his position, there's a sophomore, and, a, and they just well, bring in... They bring in a freshman in Lorang, Siggy, and they bring in Zion Morgan, who's got two years of eligibility, and so does Micah. It's yeah. a, he would be fourth on the depth chart, yeah, well, and third I, on the depth and chart. And I don't know if Zion is going to play really any point. Okay. Um, and maybe uh, he can't. Like, Javon Freeman could have played some point, and maybe he would have played some point if he was back at Valpo this year, this upcoming year. Um, Zion Morgan, I, I think I think Siggy is being brought in to play big minutes. Yeah. And I think... Um, Daniel Sackey is going to play big minutes, and Zion will play a lot of minutes at the two, uh, would be my guess, with Aaron Gordon playing a lot of minutes at the two. And who knows, maybe you'll play some three guards in there as well. So you're pretty, should be pretty solid at the guard spots. Um, I think Nick Robinson will be one of the best players on the team. Overall, defensively, uh, ability to score, make shots. Uh, You look at his numbers in the Atlantic 10, Two year, it'll be two years removed from him averaging 11.6 rebounds in the Atlantic 10. I mean, he's going to be he, good. He's going to be good. He, he worked out with the team all year, quite frankly, after he was he got through the foot injury. Um, but 
he was with the team all year and then played, you know, since he's been fully recovered. And it's from every all indications, uh, Nick Robinson is going to be the best, one of the best players on this team. Uh, Ryan Fazekas obviously is going to play big minutes. He was the team's leading scorer. And the hole remains in the middle. With um, Soroya. It, so, it, 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 who knows? If Soroya ends up coming back, then it looks like you've got a team that can be competitive. So this is an interesting thing, and we talked about this briefly the other day. Um, Valpo had a, a ton of open scholarships, right? And it seemed like there was a possibility that let's just go get a bunch of fifth-year grad transfers and just kind of put a giant Band-Aid over the whole thing. Right. That's not what's happened here. This is an interesting thing for Lodic because Valpo's a private institution, so we're not necessarily sure the whole contract status, but at, at, assume it's a four-year deal because that's what they give to coaches. They typically give a four-year, sometimes a five-year deal. That said, he's, he's approaching the end of his first contract. And there's a bit of a risk. Right? I mean, they got to win this year. I think, Matt, I... I... I'm sure he understands the situation, and I'm sure, and I, I, I credit him. We're not looking at bringing in all fifth-year players and being a veteran team. I think we're looking at doing what's best for this program. We're bringing in, bringing in some freshmen. We're going to combine it with our transfers, the guys who sat out last year, the guys who are coming back. We're going to try to mesh it all together and build this back up kind of brick by brick. Win this year. And then with the guys getting older the following year, you know, most um, you know most of the guys will be back the following year. Um, it didn't look it like it was going to be that way. Uh, but then when the guys who were going to be into their final year ended up leaving for the most part, now you've you know you're going to be able to advance by keeping everybody back in the program. Hopefully, the next year after that. But Matt believes they're going to be able to win this year, and he's done it by uh, putting faith in bringing in some guys who he thinks. Young guys who can contribute and will combine with the veterans. It'll be an interesting year, and it's interesting because if if they win and they win this way, that would it looks like they'd be set up for the future, right? And there's probably a lot of people out there who will eat a little bit of crow. If they lose, then I'm probably eating some crow, yeah. you know. And it's because uh, I. I do think that uh, I do think that Lodic is gonna is gonna do fine. You know, I, you know, we Paul and I are in an interesting situation because we, you know, we see a lot of what's going on that other people don't see, and I, I'm I'll put words in your mouth. I know Paul, along with myself, think that you know Matt can get the job done. Yeah. And for the people who just come to the games or watch the games or listen to the games or just read the stories. Now, this guy obviously doesn't know what he's doing. And we don't feel that way. I mean, that's the bottom line. We do not feel that he doesn't know what he's doing. In fact, we feel kind of the opposite, that he does know what he's doing, and things just haven't worked out. And he's had to learn some. He is not a veteran coach in any way. Um, you know, we think it's going to work out. And maybe we we sugarcoat things too much from time to time. Um, I had this we, whole poker analogy planned for you. I was going to talk about okay, when... Good. when when you run a bluff and it gets picked off, yeah, do you run the bluff again, or do, right. or do you? Because, because in in a way, I think that you're bringing the, me back to where I was at three a.m. Yes, <laughs> I, I mean, in terms of uh, you know, it's it's April right now. It's late April. 
I'm not trying to double down on saying I know Valbo did terrible last year, but I think they're going to be okay. But I don't think they're going to be as bad. Yeah. Or I don't think this whole thing is as bad as people think. Now, that said, like, yes, they finished in ninth last year and tenth the year before, which actually kind of, to me, backs up one of my points. So many people are upset about all these guys transferring. They're a ninth-place group of players sure, that are leaving. You that's, know? That, like, that, that, you, that's a very, very valid point. Um, and on a positive note, I only ran one major bluff last night, <laughs> and, it and it worked. It was great. And, and you know, my strength is I don't run very many bluffs. So when I do, if I can pick the right spot, it's usually going to pay off. So last night was it was one for one on major. There's always minor bluffs where you're you're kind of semi bluffing um, in certain spots, but the major bluff where you have absolutely nothing and you just get enough of a read that you're going to go with it. Um, it only happens a couple, one or two times a night, and and sometimes it, if it doesn't work, you got to try it again if the situation. It, um, you know, is there. And it was there really, I thought, only one real time last night to make the play, and it worked. Well, look, I don't think Valpo's got nothing right now. They've got enough that they can, I think they're going to be good. I think I, it looks like a team that should be able to win games. If they don't, it's on Matt. Yeah. It, it, to me right now, that you know, the whole thing was let's get rid of the me players and bring in the we players. And that's kind of been his tagline that he said the, the little bit of times that – and so now he's got a roster in front of him of guys that he's put together, and they're going to be young, right? There's going to be a, yeah. a contingent of the guys that are young. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how the team evolves throughout the course of the year. Um, after having covered Tracy Dora on the women's basketball team for, for several years, we got to a point where it was like, is there a number they have to get to to right. win? That's, that's fair. In, in order to retain. And and I think at one point it was basically stated if they don't win 15 games, or, yeah. or may, I don't know what the number was. I think it was that. Um, I think she had said, uh, or, or maybe one of the assistants told me, if we don't win X amount of games, you won't have to fire us. We'll just quit. We'll be gone. Hmm. And, I mean, it's, it's noble when people say that. I don't right. know that that's ever a reality. I don't know that there's, a, without the schedule being out right now, I don't know that there's a number that we could put on it right now. I'd certainly say that not finishing in the bottom three in the conference is probably... They're going to, Valpo's going to have to win. Valpo's going to have to be very competitive in the league, I would think. I'm not in Mark LaBarber's head. Um, I have certainly have not discussed anything with him or any of the coaches. I'm just going with common sense. Valpo's going to have to be very competitive in this league this year um, to keep everything together. Todd, thank you very much for coming in. It is time for us to head on over to Brown Field and check out the... Uh, it's snowing, by the way. It's no great. Uh, I, you know, we're going to go watch the spring football game. Because why not? Because it's snowing, it's April, let's do it. Thanks, everyone, again, for listening to Union Street Hoops. You can catch it whenever we release episodes, whenever the technology works on nwi.com and SoundCloud. Thank you very much. Uh, hoping to uh, to land Matt Lodick here in the next uh, week or two to try to bring him in here to talk a little bit about his thoughts. But, again, still a couple scholarship spots remaining, perhaps. Maybe a little bit of weight on that. Thank you, Todd, very much.